Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, stop that, debunk that, get rid of that whole notion that Luke chapter 2 can only be preached once a month. Like this truth of this chapter, of these, these verses, is, is for all year. Like the birth of Jesus is important always. So we're, we're going to get used to, to even singing songs that, you know, we'd even call carols, right? Because they're preached during Christmas. But we're going to do that during the year because they're theological songs that are true, Right? And so this morning, we're going to think about a date very far away, at least for me, which was June 5th, 1944. So June 5th, 1944, does it ring a bell to anybody? Just a date, right? So everybody that night just goes to sleep, right? All Americans, I think bedtime about that time was like 7, 7.30. Everybody's asleep, unaware that in the middle of the night, there's this message given throughout Britain, um, off the coast of Normandy. You know, there's Canadians, British, French soldiers, and they're all going to be given this message as everybody's asleep. And so this message is going to come from Dwight D. Eisenhower. And he's going to read it to 325,000 Allied troops. And the message starts with these words. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. And so by 6 a.m. French time, the Battle of Normandy began. June 6th was D-Day, right? It was D-Day. What many consider to be the beginning of the end of World War II. Because of these brave men, peace is going to be attained from this war. So 1944 years earlier, before this, there's also a message given as people in Bethlehem, Judea, and Rome were just sleeping in the middle of the night like any other night. A message about an offensive maneuver that's just going to completely alter the course of a war. A message that starts with the words, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so the Battle of Normandy, the official title was Operation Overlord. This morning, our sermon is going to be titled Operation Peace on Earth. So before we travel back 2,000 years, I just want to pray for us. Lord God, um, what what an incredible story um, that that we're going to look at. um, um, Out of season for some people, but one that I think is, is so important, especially leading into John as we see Jesus come to earth, to, to kind of um, preclude, prelude to that, Lord, just the coming of Christ, Lord, and what an exciting and important moment it was. Uh, may we see it afresh this morning and understand its importance, Lord. Or may you penetrate all of our hearts with your truth, Lord. Amen. So if you're there, uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, it probably says something like the shepherds and the angels. Angels talk to the shepherds. What it should say is angel just scares the shepherds to death. That's what it should say. And so this morning, we're going to spend a couple minutes looking at this 
uh, what's happening in this historical narrative. What is actually happening going through this scene? What actually happened? Then we're going to spend time looking at the, the message itself. What does this message mean? You know, and also we're going to, there's a song involved in this passage. We're going to look at some of those lyrics and what they mean to us today. And then lastly, we're going to look at uh, the shepherds themselves at the very end very quickly. Um, how did the shepherds react to this message? And we're going to see, just spoiler alert, they do very well. These shepherds do very well in how they react to this message. And again, I know this story is familiar to us. So this morning, I want us to just look specifically at the lens at what it has to do with our peace this morning, what it has to do with peace. And so let's begin by looking at the narrative, like what's actually happening. Let's go through this story. And we could start at verse 8, where it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so this region is the region where Jesus is being born. So you maybe hear a baby crying off in the distance in this scene. And these were shepherds. And if, you, if you're familiar with shepherds, you kind of have some idea what they're about. Um, anybody have any precious moments, little figurines? Yeah, so shepherds are really cute, right? Totes adorbs, these shepherds. Or if you've seen movies or have a nativity set, you know they're young, rugged, handsome, right? Clothes are clean, you know, their staffs are polished, right? Well, no, not at all. Like, that is not what the shepherds look like. And maybe you have to update your nativity scenes, you know, with some mud after service. But yeah, shepherds were despised. They were, they were not liked. Like, they, they, were, they were thugs, right? They're like these sketchy dudes, you know. If they were around today, they're probably wearing Raiders jerseys, right? So... Yeah, and, and they're, they're, if they couldn't even speak in court, I mean, if a shepherd said something, it's like, who cares? Like, it's a shepherd. We're not going to listen to them. Not only were they extremely dirty, as you can imagine, from a very dirty job, but they are ceremonially unclean, which means they can't go to the temple. So they don't even have that to look forward to. They can't even go to the temple. And so here they are, after a long day's work, you can imagine how exhausting this work is, right? It's not a job you can clock out of. And so here they are at night, sleeping probably one eye opened or maybe taking shifts. I don't know how this would work, staying up all night. And then something happens. Something very dear to my heart, if I'm being honest. Because there's something that I love. There's something that I absolutely love, and maybe you're with me. I love seeing people be scared. And so, yeah, pray for me. Um, yeah, I, I will literally, my kids can tell you, I look up YouTube videos for hours of just people being scared and jumping and screaming and just, I love it so much. And so with that in mind, let's look at verse, verse 9 here. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. My first reaction to that is that's hilarious. Right? So again, it is so, it is so dark. Right? There's no light pollution. There's no big cities. It is just black, dark, darkness. And then just boom, heavenly glory. Heavenly glory shows up with this angel. And it must be terrifying, just like um, if, if you've ever snuck up on somebody um, and said something and they didn't know you were there. Yeah, it's pretty scary, right? It, it's, it's, it's a little unnerving. Or if somebody turns on the light, you know, when everything is dark. So it's super scary. So you can imagine just how freaked out they must be. 
Now, to be honest, these shepherds, though, as I said, these are typically not well-looked-upon guys. So um, guys who are not familiar with holy living, that's not the goal of their life. So if you see an angel, it can't be good, right? This has to be, oh, no, (laughs) guys, like an angel is here. What did we do? Uh, our, Our living is finally caught up with this. Doom is upon us. Well, how scared were they? Well, let's look at this. How scared were they? Consider the fact that you have this angel has the best message, the most important message for all of humanity, the most important message ever given that this is going to take place. And instead of starting that message, the first thing the angel says is, fear not. Like, guys, relax. Whoa, 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 stop screaming. Don't run away. Guys, relax. That was the first consideration of this angel. And then immediately, thankfully, the angel tells them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And so even for these outcasts of society, I agree with many of the pastors, theologians throughout history, who said the reason that this is given to shepherds of all people is to show that there's nobody out there like who's too far gone outside of the graces of God. There's nothing that, that you've done is so bad or you're so sinful, or you, know, you have no idea what kind of past I have. And so God says, I'm going to give this, this message of good news to all people, to these people, right? Out of all the people that this news could have been given to, it's given to them. And so we aren't given the name of this angel. Like there's some angels mentioned in the Bible. And so the, the term angel just means messenger, right? Angel means messenger. So what is the message of this angel here? In verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And we will unpack this more in a minute. But again, can you imagine, put yourself in the shepherd's shoes from being exhausted, right? Just completely exhausted, wanting to faint from work, to being absolutely terrified and thinking judgment has come. And then to all realizing that, oh, this is actually good news. Like, what a range of emotions to be having all simultaneously. And, and so the nice part is here, you can imagine once the good news comes that these shepherds are probably catching their breath, right? It's like, oh, okay, it's not judgment, okay. Oh, it's good news, that's great. And so they're finally, things are going to calm down and they're going to relax. But that's not the case, and that's why I love this. <laughs> In verses 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so as soon as these shepherds get used to having one angel in their presence, there's just a multitude, millions and millions of angels, and they're not just there, they're singing and praising. How loud and crazy you know, must that scene have been? And so before we read on about what the shepherds do, I really want to consider and examine um, just, just what this message is. Why is this message so important? Why is this song so important? You know, we're going to look at it through the lens of peace. You know, what is peace? What is it? Uh, what, what does peace mean? How is peace attained? Is it even attainable this morning? And so today we're going to look at four parts of what we'll call Operation Peace on Earth.
Operation Peace on Earth, first off, is a mission of infiltration. It is a mission of infiltration, and we'll get to that in just a second. Let's, let's figure out what the word peace means. Defining the word peace, what does peace mean? First things that come to mind, freedom from war or absence of war. That's a great place to start, absolutely, because if you don't know there's a war going on, who cares if peace is coming, right? You have to know there's a war to understand the significance of peace. And we as humans have been at war with God since the Garden of Eden, war. Adam and Eve, just like we do, we, we, we treat God's rules like we just break them. It's like, no, God, like I know what's best for me. I know what I want to do. I know how I want to spend my life. I want to be in charge, God. I want my freedom, just like Adam and Eve. And you'll see after Adam and Eve throughout the rest of the Old Testament that this is the actions, right, of everybody. And God is so gracious. And as we talked about last week, sans prophets, says, guys, please stop sinning against me. Things are going to be awesome if you just stop sinning against me. But they don't. They sin against God just like we do every single day. In Romans 8, 7, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So it's our minds, right? Our minds are hostile towards God, so our actions are hostile towards God. So all of our entire lives are hostile towards God. We are sinners at war with God. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, we're taking on the, the galactic cosmic throne when we disobey the laws of God. And of course, in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, so we have a problem. Like, this is a war where, like, there's only one conclusion to this war. We die. We die. We go to hell. But thankfully, um, as many of us know, we have a God who cares enough to, to acknowledge this war and to do something about it for us. So what's God's plan to end this war? What kind of maneuver could a, a just, holy God execute to save us? What could he possibly do to, to care about us? You know, these people who don't listen to him, who reject him. What's God going to do with us? What is that Normandy moment of the Bible where the, the tide is just going to be completely changed, a moment that just changes the tide of this war? And we'll see it's the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. A maneuver known as infiltration. Now, infiltration is when you gain access into enemy lines, right? You penetrate enemy lines, as it says in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so God is born. You guys ever think about that? God is born? What? So for all of eternity past, God, Father, Holy Spirit... God forever and will always be God, but because of us, because of this war that we started, that we continue every day, even this morning before getting here, the triune God did something incredible. The Son became flesh. The Son came down to the earth He created, was born into the earth He created, into the chaos that we've made of everything came into our linear time marked by the stars that he put in place himself? It's insane. This infiltration was prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, where it said, For, us, for to us a child is born, 
To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There will be no end to that peace. Now, what I love about this is it's basically prophesying that the right person is going to do this job, right? So, you know, if you're hungry, you know, you go to, to a restaurant, right? If, if your car is broken, you go to a mechanic. If you have a plumbing problem, you go to a plumber. So what if you want to end a, end a war? Who do you go to? The Prince of Peace, right? That's the guy I want, Prince of Peace, to end this war. Now, what I love about this, as I imagine it in my head, uh, being a big movie fan that I am, is if you ever watch movies, um, actually, I know we watch movies, but there's a scene that's always executed. It's been executed so many different ways. It's when the hero or villain steps onto the scene, right? And like, so you have an ant's point of view. So you were on the ground, maybe under a car or by a horse, and literally like you see that person's like boots step onto the scene, right? And so we see it in Westerns a lot. My favorite is the Terminator movies, right? Arnold stepping off, Arnold playing the T-200, steps off his Harley. You see his Harley boots hit the ground and bad to the bone starts playing, right? Da-da-da-da-da-da. And you know, like when that song comes on, like that's, that's the game changer moment. You know at that moment, it's about to go down. Like that is it. And in the Bible, that's this moment, the nativity scene, where we have the hero stepping onto the scene of humanity, not with cowboy boots or motorcycle boots or military boots, but with baby feet. The feet of the prince of peace. And so the Prince of Peace is here. So what's the plan? What's the mission, though, now that the Prince of Peace is here? The second point of Operation Peace on Earth is that it's a rescue mission. Again, verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. So we know the city of David is the infiltration point, right? And we know it's a rescue mission because he's coming to save us, to bring us peace. We have to be saved from this war that we are in. The good news is that that Jesus is going to save us. But what's this baby going to do? So again, we have hostility with God, right? We live sinful, warring lives against the throne of God every day. We've already committed cosmic treason against the throne, right? And we deserve punishment. Except here we see Jesus come to earth and infiltrate and come among us. But not like among us, not like us, right? Because he lives a perfect, sinful life. Perfect life, and so he creates the escape, the salvation and the opportunity for us, right? It's like getting to a gate and, you know, lifting the bottom of the gate open so people can come out. That's the life of Jesus, this perfect life. And he's saying, that's the way you get out of this war, That's the way you are saved from this war, my perfect life. And so he takes our life, takes the treason, takes the punishment for us, and it's just like nothing ever happened for us, right? And that's why we sing songs, you know, praise God, praise Jesus. Jesus sacrificed himself to save those who would believe in him. Now, it reminds me of a story from back in 2010, A Marine named Kyle Carpenter jumped on a grenade to save a fellow Marine. 
um, ripped apart his lungs, I believe half of his face, his jaws missing, broken several bones, almost died. And when he woke up, they gave him uh, the Medal of Honor. Is that the Purple Heart? Um, so yeah, really important. And I used to think for a long time that this exact scenario was like the cross. That Jesus jumped on the grenade for us, right, to save us. But then one day it hit me, church. That is not true. It is absolutely not true because Jesus didn't die. He didn't sacrifice himself to save his allies and friends. He did it to save his enemies. Romans 5.8 highlights this well. But God shows us his love in us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for his enemies. Speaking of this great salvation, Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2.14-17, through 17, For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Is Jesus your peace? Is Jesus your peace? Do you want him to be? How do you attain that? Well, in Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want peace this morning, it's just a matter of believing in Jesus. It's that simple. Don't let people complicate it for you. It's that simple. You can have peace through Christ. And so we have the Prince of Peace on the scene, offering his life, connect us to God, remove that hostility, giving us his life, death, and resurrection. But what happens now that peace is already established, right? What if, what if you say this morning, well, I already believe. How does that peace work now? And so the third point of Operation Peace on Earth is I want you to understand that it's a rebuilding mission. A rebuilding mission. And we'll see this in verse 14, guys, in the song of the heavenly choir. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And again, those with whom he is pleased are those who have faith in him. Um, as I think we talked about in Hebrews last week, Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so this wonderful peace is purchased with this awesome blood of Jesus, right? But it's not good news for everybody. You know, in this song, it's very clear that this is not good news for everybody. It's with those whom he is pleased. So we know there's a dividing line. This is not a great song for all humanity. The Hebrew word, shalom, you guys heard of the word shalom? Yeah, it means peace. What does peace mean, though? Like, what does peace mean? In, in, in the Hebrew sense of the word, like these angels would be singing, shalom, it means wholeness, completeness, or making complete or restoring. So the idea of peace is that you are made whole. 
That is what peace is. You are made whole, or you are in the process of being made whole. So when God gives you his peace, it's just the beginning of something. It's just a peace that's going to grow in you. It's not about you just being who you are right now and being saved and staying that person. It's not about being saved just so you could rot or being saved so that you could stay the same as you are today. Getting the peace of God means you are saved to become more like Christ. Peace with God is only the beginning of a process, right? It's the beginning of a process that is going to produce fruit in your life. That's going to, like, you wouldn't even recognize you. If you saw yourself when you accept God's peace through the years, you wouldn't recognize the peace you are. You wouldn't believe what peace can do to you if you fully believe and embrace it because you will be made whole. You will have something that many others do not have. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, right? Sanctify you, bring you through this whole process. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So God is getting you ready, right? Mind, spirit, heart, and soul. The peace is getting you ready, it's making you more like Christ right now. Not, making you, not only making you more like Christ right now, but preparing you to meet Christ. God doesn't want to just save you and have you stay where you are. God wants to give you peace and completely rebuild you. And one of the most frustrating things for me that I hear over and over from people is that they don't want to repent of their sin after coming to the faith because if they're already saved, they already have peace. Why, why does it matter? Like, that's the argument. God saved them where they were, so God must be okay with where they are. Max Licato put it like this, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And so if you've ever seen a city, let's say a city after a war, it looks destroyed, right? It's absolutely annihilated. It's destroyed, devastated. Even after victory, if you looked at like, you know, videos of World War II, after people won, after victory, everything is absolutely destroyed. And so the first part of peace is what? It's rebuilding it, right? Peace just gives you the opportunity and the space to rebuild everything. So we've been saved by Christ. We have peace with God. We are being made whole again. But how do we deal with the fact that we don't exist in a peaceful world? And so the last part of Operation Peace on Earth is that we can have peace in chaos. So another aspect of having peace with God, um, that we have peace with Jesus, is that we can have this peace even in this world we live in. And I don't know about you, I need this peace. Like, today, right? I need this peace in this world we live in. A world that, mind you, since you have been saved from, you are now at war with. Now, I don't think I have to go too far into that to tell you if you are following Jesus, um, if your life is holy at all, people aren't happy about it. They're going to point out things that you say and do, and they're going to be very hostile towards you. So the good news is the war with God is over, and you have that peace with God but now you are at war with the world. Now Jesus, as he was ending the, nearing the end of his life, told his disciples this in John 14. 
Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. This all considering the fact that Jesus already knew that all but John are going to be martyred. And he's still saying, like, this peace I give to you, nobody could take it. Like, even if you're boiled alive, if you are hung upside down on a cross, this peace isn't going to go anywhere. So is anyone's heart troubled here in 2021? Anybody have a troubled heart? You know, I know 2021, it seems like just a continuation of 2020, right? It's just, this, oh, this is lump. Um, and so I did a little homework for us because, you know, I want us to have peace. And so I went through a lot of blogs, God forgive me, um, a lot of blogs trying to figure out how to have peace in, in 2021. So just here's some great advice from the world on how you can have peace. Don't think about it. Turn off the news. Have a positive attitude. Limit social media. Keep socially active. Practice social distancing. Be kind. Just do some yoga. Make your house look like someplace you would vacation. Make your house fun. Let yourself laugh. And also, guys, all you need to do is just light some aromatherapy candles. <laughs> so, problem solved. Is that all we got, right, as the world? Is that all we got? That's how we're going to get peace? Ignoring stuff and lighting candles? And now, you know, we're so close, and I do love the fall season. Right now, we're so close to Thanksgiving and Christmas where we are going to stress out of our minds about our health, you know, gaining weight, spending money we don't have, right, to buy all these gifts, to wrap them in wrapping paper, foil wrapping paper with the words, peace on earth, written on them. The irony so speaking of Christmas, let me tell you about the best Christmas gift I ever received. A gift um, that I didn't know that I wanted. So I was a skater, um, skateboarder. So, yep, I mean, I think, uh, Alan's, you will understand this story so well. Um, I wanted a skateboard. I wanted a new skateboard like I got every year. But instead, I got a pair of rollerblades, right? And if you want a skateboard and you get rollerblades, no! That's the complete opposite of, of what you want. And I also got um, this plastic net, plastic hockey stick. And basically, when I stopped throwing a fit, I think it was sometime just before the next summer, I, I put these skates on. And long story short, outside of preaching and spending time with the family of God, skating is my favorite thing to do inline skating, playing hockey, absolutely love it. brings me so much joy. And I just didn't realize it at the time, that there was a gift that, that I needed to bring me peace and joy. And so this morning, you may not realize it, but the gift of Jesus, the peace of Jesus is something you may not even know that you need this morning, but it is the most important thing that you can have the gift of peace in a chaotic world? Did you know that was possible? Do you know what that feels like this morning? Peace from the war with God. Do you want to re be rebuilt this morning? Who wants to be rebuilt? Right? You feel like you're wearing down. You feel like you're destroyed after a war, after 2020, 2021. 
You need that peace. You need to be rebuilt. So if you want to give the best gift this year, you need to share the gospel with people. That's the best gift that you can give anybody is just to share the gospel with them. And like me, wanting a skateboard and getting, you know, rollerblades, yeah, people are going to be upset. They're not going to want it. They're going to throw a fit about it. But when they actually, at some point later on in their life, they apply it and think about it and accept it, it's going to be the best gift that they ever received. Which now leads us back to these shepherds. And I want to read verses 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So very quickly, and I do mean very quickly, I just want to point out three things that the shepherds do that we should do, right, when we hear this message. One is they went to Jesus, right? They heard the message of Jesus, they went to Jesus. And so you need to go to Jesus and check it out for yourself, just like the shepherds. Go to Jesus, check it out. Two, they encouraged believers. They told Mary. Mary already knows what's happening, right? She was debriefed nine months earlier. She knows all of what's happening. She had an encounter with the angel Gabriel, which terrified her. And so she knows all these things. And yet it says Mary treasured what they said. And so she knew these things. But hearing them again, she treasured them, which means if you know somebody who is of the faith, who follows Jesus... Tell them about Jesus again. Share the gospel again. Talk about the Lord, because you can still encourage each other even if you already have the Lord in the gospel. Three, they went back to where they came from, glorifying and praising God. It didn't say they joined the ministry. They didn't go to seminary. They went back exactly to where they came from, praising God. And so for us this morning, whatever job you have, wherever your family is, just go back to them and share the gospel. You don't have to go on a missions trip this morning. You just go to wherever you came from and praise God. So let me end with this true story, and this is really kind of sad. In 2005, Japanese soldiers, I'm going to butcher their names, Yoshio and Suzuki, um, emerged from hiding in the Philippines. 60 years they were hiding because they thought World War II was still going on. They were scared. And there have been several verified stories. There's a bunch of stories like this, of finding soldiers who are scared in the jungle. The sad truth is they didn't know that the war was over. And so for us, as we go out into the world, we're going to find a bunch of people who don't know that the war with God is over. People who, you know, who know something about Jesus maybe have a nativity set, but they don't know that that's the Normandy moment, right? And so we need to explain to them what happened in that scene, what happens in that set is for that peace. So let's be messengers of the good news to these people. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. 
Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.